Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today in the program, full packed, we report from the Finnish tech startup investor Bonanza that is slush. We talk to some of the visiting startup companies and pay a visit to the virtual reality company Vario. Also, remembering Virgil Abloh and his Nordic heritage. Square changed its name to Block and what that means for Jack Dorsey's tech empire. We also take a look at the next chapter of our mobility special, namely everything that happens on water. I'm Conrad Olson, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind. I'm here with my dear colleagues, Roland Fripp Kretschmar, editor-at-large for future and digitization, and our junior editor, Erik Sedin. Hey, guys. Hello, hello, hello. That was a mouthful, that intro. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, so let's just get into the, the intro and the, this week's guide. Eric, where are we going this week in the Scandinavian Mind universe? Uh, I have to say this guide from this week is probably my favorite one because it just highlights what's so great about these guides. And this time we're going to uh, Norway. We're going to the biggest fjord in Norway, Sognarjordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the, the writer of this guide, the author, is uh, Sulei Kvapistad, who actually, she had a cool life story. She, uh, not cool, but <laughs> tragic or whatever. But she, uh, she fell on the ice and had a big concussion and had to go on sick leave. And she was a teacher. She didn't know what to do. So she bought like this cabin, uh, like uh, like a hut. It's called, in Norwegian, it's called Turisthytte, uh, which is basically like a, like a hiker's refuge or whatever, uh, on top of a mountain, on top of a fjord. And now she has this small little hotel for everyone to come to and she lives her dream life there with a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Well, I, I think dream life is the key word here because the, the <laughs> photos that she sent, they are just amazing. I mean, the scenery is uh, breathtaking. Uh, and I think uh, it always reminds me, I really, really want to go. I want to go to see the fjords. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them. Uh, it's about time. It's about time. If you it's ask me, time. it's the, the most beautiful country in the world, Norway. I, I never been to, say, but... to the fjords either. I mean, I've been to Oslo a couple of times. That's it. There's a lot to explore in Norway. But, you know, I'm Swiss, so I've always thought that I, I get the experience in Switzerland. But... Again with the Swiss, the Swiss Roland. It's, it's a Scandinavian <laughs> mind podcast. Again with the, the Swiss references in our, in our uh, Nordic guides. Any, anyways, maybe we should schedule a, 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 a team conference in the fjords. Uh, any, any takeaways, any rem- most rememberable parts, uh, tips uh, uh, that, you, that you want to take away? Perhaps as a bit of a segue to a later segment we'll talk about, but she's talking about these uh, like ferries, all electrical mm. ferries that cruise through the fjords that basically work like public transport for, for, the, uh, for the locals to get to school and to work and stuff. And they look amazing. And, you know, to cruise through these fjords in complete silence must be, must be something. Yeah, sure. I've been thinking a lot about that as well. I mean, I have, a, as you know, a house out in the archipelago and Roland, you spend time there as well. And this is something I think about every summer. We have this sort of beautiful, <laughs> serene place out in the nature and then uh, these uh, petrolized boats that come in, uh, in in the nature. And I think mm-hmm. over time, uh, we haven't seen the electrification of, of, of the sea yet uh, it's not it's not as implemented as, as on the roads but i definitely think we're going to see that and we're going to look back and think of, of these sort of uh you know petrolized vehicles as, as something from the stone age i agree so we basically our retirement in the archipelago is going to be silent <laughs> it's going to be silent that i'm really looking forward to that Also in the news uh, this week, uh, we covered it a little bit on the Scandinavian Mind podcast. The uh, 
American designer, um, streetwear icon, uh, architect, artist, uh, overall like this modern Renaissance man, Virgil Abloh passed away in cancer, which is something that's obviously shook the, the fashion world. Um, any first reactions, Roland? When, what did you think about when you heard this? Well, I think I was as surprised as everyone else. Um, you know, it's it's easy to celebrate someone when they're passed away. Um, but I honestly, truly believe that uh, Virgil was uh, one of a kind, once in a generation type mm. of genius, uh, multifaceted, as you say. And I think at the core, it was his architecture education. You know, he, that, that was kind of... Um, I think the, the the backbone of his uh, creativity that he was a trained architect, um, but you know it's very sad, obviously, and for his family uh, mostly. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. And I think really, I mean, we've been talking about it when we started Scandinavian in mind. It's not unique for us, but we talk a lot about sort of bridging different worlds and this convergence of, of different uh, sort of disciplines and industries is is kind of uh, what propels culture, what propels technology and business these days. And and I think you know part of his genius is exactly that. He he was border less boundless in his creativity uh and uh that's you know part of what our reporting this week we spoke to some of the the people in, in scandinavia that have worked with him and uh one of the collaborations was uh, with ikea um so he did ikea he, i think he did a, a collaboration with uh evion the water company he, he, he just took on different uh, you know assignments and, and collaborations um uh, super fascinating eric any thoughts uh first of all very sad and have to give our condolences to his family and friends, but uh, also to kind of um, to give him his praise. I, I remember I read a uh, quote that he said his way of avoiding a day job would be by having ideas. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to have 30 ideas every day, whatever they are, like what color should this scene be on this shirt or how could a cool house look? And he said by having 30 ideas a day, uh, he made his dream come true. And he also said that having this many ideas and doing this much, he really he doesn't really have the time to think about what he's doing. So he said, I make things and I leave defining what that is to someone else. That was really cool. I, was just, I think um, you're onto something there with time. That, uh, I, don't, I don't remember um, who, who wrote this, but basically uh, a lot of people around Virgil were uh, quite shocked and amazed also by how he managed to have such a great output, you know, uh he, he he was engaged in so many different um companies and 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 you know engagements etc and it, it was crazy basically his output so I, I think that is also part of the shock that uh he has had such an amazing impact on so many different parts of pop, uh, popular culture so yeah exactly very sad also fascinating to see. I mean, all the reports we had, uh, uh, you know, testimonials from uh, 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 Henrik, um, uh, most from uh, IKEA's product and design team. Uh, we had Karina Gahn, a PR personality here in Stockholm. Uh, uh, also, uh, Mads Emil Müller from from Copenhagen. And I think you know, anyone you hear talk about him, he always seems like a guy had really strong personal connections, and he really sort of lifted other people up. Uh, throughout his career, I think that was sort of one of those beautiful takeaways about his kind of legacy. That that there was this really strong, positive atmosphere around him, and that's you know that's not a given, especially in the fashion industry, especially with sort of these sort of larger than life creative directors. They're not always sort of uh, have a, have a heritage of of uh, you know being a positive, uh, uplifting person. So that that's really something to actually uh, that stands out. Something for other people to remember that um, the, the the single word that stands out um, talking about Virgil is is kindness. 
that he was a very kind person. And yeah, as you say, Conor, that's maybe something for others to be inspired by. Exactly. All right. In other news this week, there's been a lot of talk and chatter around Jack Dorsey, uh, the uh, CEO of both companies, Twitter and Square, just left Twitter. And uh, a few days after that, it announced that Square changes its name to Block. Roland, maybe you can break this down for us. What is Square and why does this matter? All right. So, I mean, Square is it's basically a, a payment service um, <clears throat> that was uh, launched uh, quite many years ago. Basically, it's a physical device that you connect to your um, your iPhone or smartphone, and then you can uh, just uh, take payments very simply as a, as a small entrepreneur, as a private person, etc. So, and then, then obviously over the years, it has evolved into to this kind of more 360 payment service uh, company. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in this, at, at the same time, uh, you know, th- there's been acquisitions. I mean, uh, the company bought uh, the, the music streaming service Tidal a couple of years ago, which was founded by Jay Z and others. They have Cash App, TBD. Etc. So they, they have different um, payment services, financial services um, uh, in, in the sphere, right? And now when um, Jack Dorsey finally stepped down from his CEO role at Twitter, uh, which he also co-founded, I mean, there were some major investors that, that wanted him to step down for, for years, basically, yeah. um, because he was um, co-CEO then of two companies. Um, Basically, what he said was that, uh, you know, they built Square for the seller business. And that's where the, 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 the basically the service Square should remain. But then with Block, um, the purpose is basically to uh, continue to develop uh, economic financial services <clears throat> and where there is obviously through the name uh, quite a significant uh, exactly. connection then to blockchain, cryptocurrencies, decentralization etc and and jack he's has a actually big supporter right he, he's, he's spoken yeah. to many of the conferences and and uh, i think part of the criticism from 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 the twitter side is that he spends so much time thinking about uh you know working at square and thinking about these new sort of uh, financial technologies right yeah and, and i i think uh, if you if you follow jack truly and if you read what he what he says if you try to understand his his message basically for quite many years now, he has been at the forefront of cryptocurrencies, of decentralization, of blockchain, etc. And he, he, he's a true believer. So obviously now he can dedicate uh, his time fully to this. Uh, I mean, just to quote Block, they say Block references the neighborhood blocks where we find our sellers, a blockchain, block parties full of music, obstacles to overcome, a section of code, building blocks, and of course, tungsten cubes. So there you go. <laughs> I think the reference to block parties is the most fun. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No, but I, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, again, it, it kind of... Um, shows how mainstream uh, crypto is becoming, blockchain is becoming. Uh, and and obviously, a couple of weeks ago, Facebook, a mother company, changed its name to Meta. You know, it's all about the metaverse. There you go. It's um, it's the buzz buzzword of the year. Let's buzzword see what happens in 22. I think and, uh, maybe there's a new company called Chain coming out. There, there are, we're going to see Verse. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Apple changes its name to, to Verse, perhaps. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about, you know, how this Square is kind of similar to the, There's a Swedish fintech company called iSettle, basically giving entrepreneurs and small businesses a way to get paid, you know. Exactly. So I think it's cool to see Square, how Square is this, this huge... Uh, and same with Cash App, they, they own Cash App too, how it can be now easier to pay with. When you go to the cinema or you go anywhere, you can pay with, with cryptocurrency. And you can mm-hmm. transfer cryptocurrencies back and forth like nothing, thanks to these now mainstream huge companies mm-hmm. getting into it. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're direct competitors. We don't have time to deep dive into this today, but you know, um, PayPal acquired Icel one two years ago. Mm-hmm. The PayPal stock has gone down quite significantly this year. There's a lot of, 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 of buzz in the industry. Why is that? What's happening with PayPal? I think it's down 20% this year. Um, so there's a lot of things ongoing in, in, in the payment market, basically. So maybe we can deep dive in another pod. Yeah, I'm sure that I mean, there's also, some, also something interesting in the angle of, of how sort of fintech companies and content companies are merging together and how fintech companies are, are sort of acquiring content companies for their, you know, obviously engagement and, and so forth. And there are, you know, big rumors about perhaps Will Square buy actually Twitter. And it's that part of this strategy. Uh, we'll see. All right, next on the program this week, we launched the next chapter of our mobility special authored by uh, Eric Sedin, uh, namely everything that happens on sea this time. Eric, uh, give us an overview of, of this chapter that's not, uh, now available on ScandinavianMind.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the crash course because I know by now we all know about the four pillars of mobility, this life-changing uh, idea that I had. So I don't need to go yeah, into that again. Let's just quickly uh, repeat it. When you say that, there's always going to be someone <laughs> that hasn't heard it. So uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, it's basically how I imagine the future of travel for or mobility is that uh, both consumers and uh, mobility companies need to cater for four pillars of mobility. And that's time, price, comfort and uh, sustainability or climate impact. You need to cater for all these four to go somewhere, right. basically. And uh, this time, like I said, we went, uh, we set sail and we talked about water travel. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I raised five different projects. I can just name one here. Uh, it's kind of a cliffhanger for people to read more. And that was my favorite, and I was really interested in interviewing them. That was uh, Candela, which is a uh, Swedish... Yeah. Um, I think they're called, they call them, they don't call them boats, they call them ships. I think they, they refer Isn't to them as flying. Isn't it Isn't the word like a, Candela yeah, speedboat? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, uh, but that's what the guy that I interviewed said. He was like, oh, let, if you want to come fly, just uh, holler at us. So <laughs> I think they think that, that the boat flies, and it kind of does. It's called the hydrofoils, which I guess mm. people know about, underwater wings, basically. Mm. But uh, what makes these guys so uh, so unique and so revolutionary in a way is that they are starting to venture into public transport and you know Scandinavia and our cities are no exception to uh, being intertwined with water it happens in Copenhagen Oslo Helsinki and uh, Stockholm too and building infrastructure for public transport means you know digging subways building bridges and roads to go by bus or by subway Mm. Uh, with boats you don't really need them you can just go and the water is already there you know but in the in these Scandinavian capitals we've had we've had uh, Ferry boats, like you said in the intro, they're quite loud and they're not really good for the environment. And they're really slow. That's mm. probably the big thing. So that's what Candela want. They want to have these like 30 to 40 passengers ships or yeah, airships that fly on top of the water. So you can go really fast. There's no pollution and there's no waves. <laughs> and I know the Stockholm municipality have offered them to go and test drive to, so you can get your like uh, subway ticket and go really fast on the waters instead of going around and going underwater. Yeah, I think a couple of things that's interesting here is is one the sort of the technological development of these uh, vehicles is not just about electrification no. or it's sort of related to electrification. So this sort of hydrofold technology, which is I think is present in, in a few other examples that we lift, is basically the reason for that is sort of we want to lift up the thing we are are um, uh, transporting. You you, ha- you you need you want as much of it as 
possible above the water level because uh, it, it sort of hinders. I mean, every, everything in water is really slow moving because they have to push through the water. And that's why, you know, it requires so much energy, so much petrol to, to have these sort of traditional motorboats. But if you lift it up above the surface, um, you, you get, uh, you know, much less energy that, that requires to, to transport these things. And that's also a pre sort of condition to using electrification because today electric motors can't, they don't have the capacity of, of a, you know, traditional uh, petrol motor. Uh, but if you lift it up above the sea level, make it more like a flying thing almost, uh, um, you're, you're able to do it. And I think this is interesting how sort of, uh, you know, uh, the, the push towards sustainability uh, also pushes technology forward and you get these sort of new uh, new innovations in a way. Yes, and just speaking of public transport, uh, we've, we've uh, touched upon it, yeah, like a donut city and stuff like that. Uh, that's what the guy that I was talking to is talking about, like people that live in the suburb of Stockholm, they live close to water a lot of times. Mm. And with these boats, they can go downtown uh, on water in a quick way, in a climate-friendly way. And yeah, and another cool. you know, that, That's what public transport is kind of all about, right? Mm. Making cities mm. feel smaller, getting everyone involved. Mm. Yeah, another comment of, of what you mentioned also is that the, the sort of the need for infrastructure for, for vehicles. So mm-hmm. any uh, road-driven vehicle obviously requires a road. So there's a huge uh, uh, investment that is needed for infrastructure in order for, uh, you know, cars and electric cars and autonomous cars or whatever it is. Uh, but and this was actually something I, I listened to one of the founders of Lilium. We talked about Lilium, a German uh, EV tall vertical takeoff and landing uh, company. At a, um, so I listened to him at Slush uh, yesterday, actually, and he talked about the same thing that that if we can have the innovation go into the vehicles that are not dependent on you know another bigger general infrastructure, there's much to be much to be gained in terms of uh, removing congestion and, and so forth. That's interesting, putting the infrastructure into the vehicle. That's cool, cool way of putting it. Also putting it into the equation of mobility, because we, we talk about cars as something that's that's standalone, but it's cars is dependent on a bigger kind of uh, uh, road <laughs> roadmap, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> the Scandinavian Mind Mobility Special uh, originally published in our uh, second print issue. Uh, we have Candela Speedboat, we have uh, paddleboard examples, we have Oceanboard, this, this huge sort of transportation ships that uh, is, uh, is uh, actually a sailing ship. Uh, uh, Vasa Line, uh, the, the electric... A ship that goes between Umeå and Vasa. Um, uh, also some examples. Uh, have a look at our uh, mobility special. It's right now on ScandinavianMind.com. Okay, moving on, guys. I just came back yesterday from Helsinki, uh, where I've been visiting the uh, tech uh, uh, conference Slush. It was my first time there, so uh, kind of a uh, big guide walking around uh, the conference. Roland, I know you've been there uh, many times, uh, but to me, it was really exciting uh, uh, visiting. Um, I'm quite envious of you, Conrad. You know, I, you, you said earlier that I always mentioned my Swiss heritage. Listen, I'm actually a quarter Finnish as well, so. I love you Finland. Go. Yes, I love Finland. And I love Helsinki. And I love Slush. I think it is a great, great, great event. And I was very sorry not going this year. No. So obviously, uh, first time they're doing it in a couple of years because of the pandemic. It's a smaller event this time than previously. I couldn't notice. But about 8,000 visitors compared to, I think, 20,000 two years ago. Um, so Slush is kind of a new event. It's been around for 12, 13 years. Uh, obviously, um, 
uh, sort of been following the, the Finnish sort of tech uh, phenomena with the sort of gaming companies, uh, pretty much everything that, that came in the wake of, of Nokia failing. There's a new sort of startup ecosystem that, that came out in, in Finland. And uh, uh, the uh, founders of Slush were really proud to announce that that sort of the investments within Finland has sort of 10 x during the time they've had the, the conference. Uh, they're looking at uh, uh, a billion and a half, perhaps two billion euros being invested uh, uh, from Finland this year. But the, the format of the event has changed, right? So, I mean, when, I, when I've been in the past, it, as you said, was much larger. There were also, to my understanding, uh, not only the startups, the VCs, but also the big corporations. There were a lot of different stakeholders at, uh, at mm-hmm. Slush. But this year... Conrad, correct me if I'm wrong here, it was kind of limited to startups and VCs. Is that correct? Or? That was definitely the focus. There were still some some big corporations that had sort of stands in the in the uh, uh, trade show fair type part of, of, of the show. Um, but I, they were really focused on on having investors there. I think the, the, they were talking about around $1 trillion uh, uh, or euros in, in capital being represented on site. So they were still sort of happy about having the investors there. Still a huge focus on startups. They really want to support the ecosystem. System. Um, I, I uh, speaking of the word ecosystem, something a term I've learned how to use now, uh, really specific for the startup world. Um, but I thought interesting is some few observations from from me. I've been uh, you know obviously visiting design fairs, uh, fashion trade shows, uh, some tech conferences uh, or, or sort of consumer tech uh, uh, shows. But this was like a different type of event. Uh, I think the aesthetics is obviously a difference. Very dark, a lot of laser uh, laser lights <laughs> being used everywhere. Uh, but it's also fascinating how they have the sort of the conversation front and center. So yeah. it's a mix between having these sort of traditional stands, but also a huge stages where uh, keynote speeches, panel talks, interviews takes place. And that's really, really uh, fascinating. I agree. Um, it's like a, a, a living magazine almost. Uh, it's, it's extremely content driven. Extremely, extremely, and I, I, I listened to some some really great talks. Uh, obviously, I, I just mentioned the founder of uh, uh, Lilium. Uh, also, uh, <clears throat> a great talk with Tony Hergfist, which was uh, the design respons- responsible for design of of Ainride. Um, there was. Tony Fadell, the sort of uh, been called sort of the father of the iPod and iPhone, uh, he was there, um, uh, actually kind of plugging his new book Build, which is called an unorthodox guide to the making to making things worth making. Um, uh, but he was really sort of fascinating. There's always also a really positive vibe. Mm. Uh, people are really there to network and to. Um, uh, connect with each other, which is really kind of different from from the the, the fashion world, where people are there to sort of uh, just look at, at, at kind of products and and, and pose around, uh, and look at each other, <laughs> and look at each other. So speaking about that, I actually met a, a Swedish friend, uh, Johanna Norman, the founder of the Swedish tech fashion startup. It's released. I met her on the floor, uh, and I uh, wanted to ask her a little bit about questions, what she felt about uh, Slash. That was also her first time. So here is Johanna Norman. All right, I am here with Johanna Norman, co-founder and CEO of It's Released. Uh, how are you doing here at Slush today? I'm good. I'm a bit overwhelmed. How are you? I'm very, very good. I thought it was interesting from one sort of fashion person uh, visiting Slush for the first time to another fashion person visiting Slush for the first time. What, what are your in- impressions of this dark uh, uh, laser-ridden uh, uh, activity? Uh, my impression is that there is the the energy, just the energy and the hype 
and the collaborative spirit mm. is something that kind of hits you quite strongly. Mm. Um, that I, I honestly think stands out quite a bit when you're a fashion person. It's not really, not that fashion isn't collaborative, but it's on a completely other level in the startup community. Uh, and I think that the innovative spirit uh, that is what like attracts people to slush is is almost like tangible mm. um, so one of the things that I am very unused to and what struck me very immediately is that people actually do lean in and say who are you and where are you from because I am actually indeed here to talk to you right, you know right. so that is that's my first really the biggest this thing that hit me. Yeah, fashion people don't do that. <laughs> no. So it's, so it's released. It's kind of like a fashion tech company in a way. Yeah. I don't know how you define it, but to talk a little bit about what you do uh, for the listeners and, and why you are here at Slush. So we're a subscription-based fashion rental service, mm -hmm. and what we want to do is actually change consumer behavior at its core. So we want to shift the way that we consume fashion today into a more sustainable model away from overconsumption and mass production. And the reason why I'm here is because it's an important part uh, of our company as a startup to network not only with investors, but also with people that we might want to recruit, um, that we want to collaborate with. Um, yeah, so that's what brought me to Slush. So I called you a fashion tech company. Is yeah. that what you call yourself, or is it uh, presumptive of me? Well, it's well, it's that is such a great question. Uh, it is what we're called, uh, and I would absolutely say that we are. But I, I also just think that there is a beauty in the fact that you know you can't separate the two mm. if you're going to exist in the future. So I think, obviously, me and my co-founder, Annie, we come from very different backgrounds. I have 20 years in fashion, she has a decade within tech. So what I bring to the table is absolutely the fashion part, but Annie then makes that into a product that is more fit to today, really. Like, how do you want to consume today and what kind of product and experience is the customer expecting? Uh, from from what she's gotten used to um, using other services in her everyday life. Well, the the, the, the bridging or, or merging of fashion and tech is certainly something that we talk a lot about in Scandinavian mind. So uh, yeah. a good fit there. I also know you have a special relationship with with Finland in terms of uh, the setup of the company. Well, most definitely, our um, main investor is from Finland, Maki VC, uh, who we met um, two years ago originally. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a great relationship with them uh, and have in, in that collaboration, we've been able to get to know Finland and how incredibly innovative and mature for new business models, uh, specifically Helsinki is. Uh, there's a very open mind to just disruptive behaviors. Um, so uh, we're very much in love with Helsinki and Finland uh, with its release. Wonderful, me too, me too. Uh, from one passion person to another, you don't mind me uh, complimenting your beautiful uh, knitted sweater. Thank you. Uh, you've been to Fashion Weeks for 20 years. How do you think people here dress? Do they dress well? How, is it the thumbs up, thumbs down? What do you think? Um, listen, kudos is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Uh, Diplomatic um, answer. Oh, I think uh, I actually kind of love the fact that people are wearing swag, so mm. that you understand immediately uh, what company you're from. Uh, I do. I do appreciate that. Good uh, answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Johanna Norman, uh, CEO and co-founder of It's Released. Thank you so much for talking. Thank you, Vanna.
All right, that was Johanna Norman talking about her experience at Slush. Wow, that's that's great. Uh, but listen, Conrad, um, I, I saw through Instagram and uh, other social channels there were a lot of friends in in our ecosystem that were at Slush. Did you meet with Issue One cover star Sofia Benz and all the other Swedish VC stars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great question. Uh, Sofia Benz was obviously there. She held, a, a, I think, a couple of talks. We also had uh, Ted Passion, uh, one of the partners at EQT Ventures. He's been on the podcast before. He was there held, uh, holding two uh, uh, talks, uh, one really fascinating. He gave away a lot of secrets about how to build the perfect sort of pitch deck. I also met Noura Bave uh, that was on the podcast, mm. I think, only uh, two or three weeks ago. She was there. She had some exciting news, she said, that she wanted to mm. reveal soon. So I think there's an opportunity to have her back on the podcast soon. Mm. Um, also, David Orlik, founder of Swedish sort of mm-hmm. audio startup, anyone uh, caught him in in the crowd. He was. There. Have, you te- have you tested that one? I I kind of um, yeah, I'm curious about anyone. I mean, I I have not fully experienced it, but have you done? I haven't tested it yet. Uh, perhaps there's a reason to, and I think they're still in kind of uh, beta mode. They're very early. They're there, obviously, uh, trying to find new capital. I thought it was fun because they're actually they're launching themselves through a print magazine, which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a beautifully crafted uh, print magazine made by an editor from from New York. But uh, maybe we can have uh, uh, David back on the podcast talking about ah. where they where they stand. Print is the new digital. We know that. Print is the new digital. And one other thing that really uh, that I took with me, uh, I had a chance to visit the Finnish um, virtual reality company, uh, Vario. So Vario is uh, a leading uh, virtual reality company when it comes to headsets. Um, they have what they call human eye resolution on their uh, headsets. Uh, I was both uh, partaking in a, in a panel talk about the metaverse with Vario and another uh, Finnish company called Zohan, famous for having created a digital twin of Helsinki a few years back. Um, and uh, I was also able to visit uh, Vario at one of their uh, you know, evening parties. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of attention at Slush is around the, the evening parties. And uh, I, I was able to try, it's been kind of like a recurring theme on this podcast, me trying different virtual reality headsets. But I was able to try their flight simulator, which they're doing together with Microsoft. But I think what's interesting with, with Vario is that they, uh, obviously they are monitoring the, the consumer uh, market. They talk about how... Um, uh, obviously, the, the the emergence of Oculus and Facebook's investment in in, in in this field is big, but they are basically totally focused on the business-to-business market. I know they have a lot of uh, defense contracts uh, in the U.S., a lot of focusing on flight simulations. Uh, they actually launched their first consumer product just a few weeks ago, but that prices out at, I think, around 2,000 euros. So it's still obviously not a mass uh, market product. Oh, just uh, when you when you told us about these guys, just googling them and looking at their beautiful website, it look it doesn't look like a two hundred euros uh, headset. It looks like a two thousand dollar euro headset. Looks pretty impressive. It is. It is. And I actually had the chance to to speak to uh, Vario's uh, uh, co-founder Uru Konturi uh, while visiting them in Helsinki. So uh, let's have a listen to a short conversation with Uru Konturi, uh, founder of Vario. So uh, I'm here with Uro Kontari, CTO and founder of Vario. Uh, 
value, very exciting in the VR space. You call yourself the best VR headsets in the world. You recently launched your first uh, consumer headsets just the other month. Uh, what are your expectations here for Slush in terms of value and, and uh, advancing your, your innovations and technologies? Well, this is for us a, a great opportunity to showcase some of the things that we have never shown before, such as Mario's Reality Cloud, which is taking the compute from your PC into the cloud, making it scalable, streaming it wirelessly to the headsets, one aspect. Secondly, uh, the future of, of uh, communication, which is the fully immersive teleportation to different places. It's also one of the things that we're showing to uh, maybe a couple of hundred people uh, during this week, getting the like resonance and, and feedback and feeding that one in to our development phase. And it's one of those unique opportunities when we get to meet so many interesting people and get the diverse feedback for what we do. Wonderful. So the past few months, the past year, obviously, since Facebook announced their name change to Meta, there's been a lot of talk about the metaverse. What does this mean for Vario? Do you get sort of like a push for this, uh, increased attention to your products, uh, or is it like every, all the attention goes to Facebook? What, what is it? Tell me about the landscape. Yeah, so, so absolutely. So, so metaverse is, is now happily in a single umbrella concept. If we think about like a year or two back, a uh, lot of things were kind of like a separated. There was a lot of work going on how to do uh, uh, how to utilize models in virtual environments. What what is the uh, XR? What is the AR? Is there an AR cloud? All of these things are now brought together into a single or coherent concept, which is the metaverse. So we're very happy of of that kind of transition happening at the moment, and that does allow communication more easily. But it also enables better collaboration between companies, having like a singular context to discuss about. And and yes, we're certainly happy for the attention of, of the metaverse and seeing how we can bring the end game of the metaverse into fruition together with our partners. Mm. Uh, talk about the newly launched uh, consumer product, because as I've understood it, your, most of your business up until now, or the majority of it, have been in this sort of business-to-business -business space, working with car companies, uh, 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 airlines, and so forth. Uh, I guess talk a little bit about what you've been doing and what this means for the potential of a consumer market. Yeah. So, so uh, we have had since like the beginning of Vario asks from the consumers, can you also do this kind of human eye resolution, like a beautiful end game, non-compromising devices, also to us? mere mortals. And, and we have been listening to that feedback for a couple of years. And last summer, we had the first product that we felt could actually fit to that ask. Because it's not only having like the quality, also the experience needs to be always smoother when you go to the uh, consumer users. You need to have like a all the installations need to be like absolutely easy to use and you need to be completely reliant that there will be no breakages uh, on the on the market whereas in the business side as long as you guarantee that if something goes wrong you will have a headset the next day mm. you kind of like can get by with things like this now obviously we make in highest possible quality but you have this kind of safety parachutes available but then when we go to the consumer side uh, then then you need to go to a different level and and we felt that now we have the product that has a singular really comfortable cable the weight of the headset is like on par with the other headsets on the market. The ergonomics are superior, the quality is superior, uh, yet you get the benefits of the professional color, color calibrations of the headsets and so forth. So we felt that this is the thing that we could actually bring something that elevates like all of the enthusiast experience to the level that they, they would want. Because they don't expect that when we get something better, image quality, we would get something worse, for example, cables or mm. weight or anything like this. And they would be depressed if that was the case. So now, this is the product where you have zero compromises, 
only everything is better. Exciting stuff. I look forward to trying it out uh, tomorrow. Um, you know, when do you see a scenario where a consumer will take over in terms of use case, or will it always be majority business to business? And do you have a time frame for that? Well, obviously, uh, like uh, no commitments on that, but I can certainly see a case where we actually sell more headsets to the consumers volume-wise, maybe not value-wise. Mm. Um, that could we can certainly see that happening in a uh, in a couple of years' time. But then uh, at the same time, the val various values are deeply rooted in the business-to-business -business DNA, uh, doing fully non-compromising products that may be sometimes uh, uh, unattainable or difficult to reach for typical consumers. All right, last question. Uh, other than your own product and your own technologies, is there anything else you're looking forward to uh, during Slash? Any technology, any person, any discussion that you want to hear or see? Well, I, I'm, I'm like deeply saddened that I'm not able to uh, attend the actual like event itself, but I'm super excited for a couple of the after parties. So, so Ilka Bana's party for tomorrow, uh, absolutely. Uh, we have tonight uh, uh, a cocktail party with the founders who are joining to Slush. So I can't wait to meet a lot of interesting people over there. Uh, so it's a great networking opportunity overall. That's what I love about the Slush. So founder of Vario VR uh, company, you're still excited about meeting in the physical space? Yeah, absolutely. Like the authenticity seems still something that you cannot quite convey with avatars. <laughs> Having said that one, during the COVID, I have had many events, uh, for example, in the VR chat. And it's interesting how they actually feel more personal than the meetings that you do over Zoom. But it's still not quite the real meeting in physical. Uh, wonderful. Looking forward to following your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, uh, Conrad, it sounds that you had an amazing time at, at Slush. And as I said, you know, I, I really um, would have liked to, to, to go myself this year. But what's your main takeaway if you just summarize it into kind of one reflection? That's a really good question. I think one takeaway was that this is something I heard from, from several uh, speakers at Slush that the kind of the future is actually more slow moving than we think. Um, there was a wonderful, uh, you know, partly because uh, I mentioned Lilium, their co-founder talking about uh, um, uh, the evolution of air mobility. This is something that uh, we've been talking about for 15 years. They've been developing it since 2004, I think, or 2006. Uh, um, but it's actually a few years out until we're going to see this. They're talking about sort of, you know, major rollout in 2030. Um, there was also a, a really in uh, interesting speaker called uh, Benjamin Evans talking about how we still today, uh, you know, a huge part of, of the tech uh, uh, ecosystem, the tech business, the, the turnover of companies is kind of in enterprise companies. Uh, mm -hmm. Cloud has not still taken over uh, enterprise um, uh, yet. So, it, it, you know, there's a lot of optimism uh, around these types of events. There's a lot of talk about what's going to happen in the future. Obviously, I'm guilty of that all the time, being excited about new technologies and new opportunities. But but also, uh, there, there's there's reason to be a bit more grounded. Uh, that was one interesting takeaway for me for being there the first time. I thought everything would be about the future and, and the next big steps. Huh, that's a really interesting reflection. And actually, as a side note, Ben Evans uh, is, is great. Uh, I agree. He has an amazing newsletter as well. Uh, um, but I, I think uh, you're onto something there that the, the, the future is kind of coming slower than we think. <laughs> you know, it's maybe even a theme for a future issue, Scandinavian mind. I don't know, but it's, it's, that's really a fascinating topic.
how, how slow the future is actually is. Definitely, and we all have all the reason to come back to Slush and uh, to some of the the observation I did, some of the companies I met, some of the people I met, and I think we have reason to have them on the podcast. Uh, but now we have to move on with our Friday and make sure that Eric has time to edit this show before the Friday newsletter. Just quickly, guys, what are you looking forward to in the week uh, to come? In the week to come, well, it's a graduation at Stockholm School of Economics next week for me, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Wonderful. I'm. I'm. Uh, I was happy to hear that you're. You're uh, still studying, still evolving. Uh, super, the brain is super plastic about on that. that. We know that. <laughs> and we uh, uh, just on a side note, one of the reasons I was in Helsinki was because we are, are now planning our first uh, uh, Scandinavian Mind event in Helsinki for 2022. So a teaser for that. We have all the reasons to come back to Helsinki uh, soon. All right, this has been Scandinavian Mind Weekly with me, Conrad Olsson, Roland Philipp Kretschmann, and Erik Sedin. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on latest news and upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Till next week, goodbye.